He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. Oh, what a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, 4-2-22. I love 4-2. Jackie Robinson, my number back in the day, GW, Colorado College. I get to talk some hoop with Katie Wenge. She is extraordinary. Working for the Nuggets in Altitude Sports, color analyst, broadcaster, reporter, social media star, You are going to love Katie Wenge. Katie Wenge is a winner. Peter Boyle's not so much. He just got celebrated by 710 KNUS, part of Denver Trump Radio, and that's fine. But I have my own memories, which you will hear toward the back part of this show. In between, you will hear our troubadour, Dave Gunders, with a song called The Rebound. We talk about Bones Highland. Super rookie for the Nuggets. I wrote a Colorado Sun column about him. I hope you check it out. But check out Katie Wenge. She's tremendous. And here she is. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. (laughs) Now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblaw.com LLC.com. Now back to the Craig Silverman Show. Hello. Hi, Katie Wenge. This is Craig, Craig Silverman. I'm doing great. Thanks for doing my podcast. You're very welcome. It's such an honor to speak to you because you are a, uh, a trailblazer. Last week we featured Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson, who's the first in the U.S. Supreme Court. I've been following the Nuggets all my life. I've never seen anybody like you, female, knowledgeable. You are a reporter, a host, a top-flight analyst. Way to go. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. That's very nice of you. Tell everybody how you got into the business. Well, I started dreaming of of being a, a really great basketball player. Um, I wasn't sure. I didn't really ever have big dreams of going pro, but I really wanted to play in college. And so I started playing in third grade, played all the way up through high school, ended up getting a scholarship um, to play at Illinois State in Bloomington Normal, Illinois. 
played four years there. And then while I was in school there, I kind of started thinking about what do I want to do post-graduation? What do I want to do when I'm, I'm not playing anymore? And sports had just become such a huge part of my life and who I am. And so I wanted to keep something basketball related in my world. And so I decided why not tell the stories of these athletes and why not try and find a way to, to cover the sport that I love so much. So um, I double majored in broadcast journalism and marketing, ended up getting a small TV job outside as soon as I graduated um, and then decided I wanted to go back to school to get my master's so that one day I could hopefully teach, which I have been able to do at Metro State here in Denver um, a little bit sporadically over the past year. And then um, once I got my master's at Northwestern, I got an in arena job with the Denver Nuggets. So that's how I started. I had my own show for when the fans came inside what was at the time Pepsi Center and put the whole show together, hosted it live, was the reporter and producer and all the things. And Altitude TV saw me doing that show and said, hey, do you want to come in and work for us on the TV side? So that's kind of how I got to, to where I am now. What a journey, but let's not just slide by the Illinois State Redbirds and your role on that team. I looked up your stats, impressive, averaging solid (laughs) double figures, and what did you shoot, 85% from the line your senior year? That's amazing. What games stand out for you? Um, It's funny. My my collegiate experience... um, was filled with a lot of ups and downs as so many people that play, especially at the division one level experience. And I'm so grateful for it. We had, I had a coaching change my going into my junior year and um, it just, we went from being a really great winning program to being a not so great program. We had about seven girls transfer out seven young women that decided they didn't want to play anymore. So it was basically complete rebuild mode for my junior and my senior years. And I, it was, it was very rewarding to be a part of that beneficial for me in terms of my personal growth to be a part of that. Um, but it, I was the only senior. And so in a lot of situations, I was the one who they, they gave the ball to and I played a lot. And it, I mean, I, that, that part of it was really, really great. So I think that the, one of the biggest lessons I learned from doing that is, you know, when you're going through the recruiting process, one, make a mental note that things can always change. And two, be willing to be fluid and and commit to a school that, you know, you're, you're not in love with just the coaching staff. That's not the number one reason why you're going there, because again, things can change so quickly. So I learned so much. I grew up so much throughout my time there and really grateful for the opportunity. That's kind of cool. Sort of parallels my life. Although I ended up playing small college at Colorado college, we were 10 and 15 our senior year, proud of every victory. Those stand out, including against Metro State more than a couple times because Metro State was not great back then. They got great a little later, but it was a great memory for a lifetime. You make friends forever, and now you've got so many friends on social media. I know you're a professor at Metro State. I want you to teach me and the audience how do you do it? I've been looking at your social media. I noticed because you're young, it doesn't appear you have Facebook. Am I right? Too old-fashioned for you? 
Um, I'm on Facebook, but it's just a little bit more private than some of my other right, social but media accounts are. Yeah, now, I have I have kids who, who tell me Instagram is hot, but it's on its way out. I know you have a big presence there. You do Twitter masterfully. I urge everybody to follow Katie Wenge. It's just your name, right? K-A-T-Y-W-I-N-G-E. But then it's TikTok that you have mastered, you young person, you. <laughs> What are you, what is TikTok? That's and, very kind. And do old birds need to figure this out? Um, well, I I'm honestly I'm honored that you think that I have mastered it because I do not feel that way at all. TikTok makes me feel old, even jumping on that platform. So I I love Twitter. I feel like that's where I have the the greatest connection with Nuggets fans and Nuggets Nation. Um, and I think Twitter is is. I love Twitter because it's using your words and you get to be clever and creative and witty and fun. And even though a lot of the times it's, it's a very negative place, I do think that it can be fun when used the right way. Um, I love Instagram as well, just for like the, the visual elements that it presents. Um, I do a lot of question and answers on Instagram with Nuggets fans and then TikTok, the latest and the greatest. Um, what I love about TikTok is it's like storytelling from a video perspective in short form. And it's so laid back and so casual in so many ways. Um, I'm learning how to use it to the best of my ability. The editing is, is kind of a, something that takes some getting used to and a skill. And I'm, I'm amazed by some of the videos that I see on there and how in depth that they can go in terms of just like video production quality. So I'm definitely learning. I'm jumping on board. Um, usually I tweet out my TikToks. So for some of the audience that may be listening, if they're not quite ready to, to sign all the way up, you can see some of my content still on Twitter, but TikTok is amazing because there is just so many different categories of videos. There's dance videos, there's cooking, there's cleaning. There's, I mean, people talking about mental health, workout, like everything you could possibly imagine or need an answer to, I swear, is on TikTok. So if that's your jam, sign on up. It's not my jam yet, but I do rock Twitter. <laughs> and you made me so happy because I don't know what the rules are because you're affiliated with Nuggets. Maybe you can't wager. That gets people in trouble, but I can't. I'm not part of the Nuggets. I've been following them my whole life as a Denver native. I remember when the Rockets arrived. Wow, that was huge. The ABA, then the NBA. I've seen it all, but I've never seen anything like Jokic. And since I can wager on him, I have a sizable wager on Jokic to repeat as MVP because I figured he was MVP last year. He's only going to get better, and that's what's happened. So I got a good price, I think 18 to 1. And then I wow. looked at my Twitter, and there you are with your TikTok. And tell everybody the good news as my bet made triumph, according to a, a, a very decisive poll. It's sort of like politics. Tell us about it. And how you yeah. did it on TikTok. It was so I clever and made me laugh and made me <laughs> smile. Well, I'm glad I would be smiling too if I were you and I had a place to wager early on for Nicole Jokic to repeat because it's looking like you might be able to cash in. Um, yesterday, uh, the ESPN straw poll 
came out and basically Tim Bond Kemp's, I believe is how you say his name. That might be incorrect. But one of the ESPN NBA reporters pulls all of the people that have an NBA vote, all the media that have an NBA vote three times per season. And this was his third and final installment. And when the results came out, Jokic had 62 first place votes. It was Jokic, Embiid, and then Giannis in the top three. Votes. And that, yeah, it was a pretty, it was, it was a bigger spread than I thought it was going to be between Jokic and Embiid. And so I just went on to, I, I screen recorded the, or took a screenshot of the results and then made a little like applause video and pointed out that Nicole Jokic is the one that's in first place. And to be quite honest with Craig, I, I, I thought the NBA might want to give it to somebody else just to give it to somebody else. Like, yes, Nikola Jokic is deserving of that award. He is doing everything and then some for this Nuggets team. His stats are historic once again. But you can kind of understand, okay, Jokic did what he did and the Nuggets are in sixth in the West. Um, We could give it to somebody else. There's an argument for that. Joel Embiid is having an, an incredible year as well. Giannis is playing the way that Giannis plays. So I think there was some argument at first, but Jokic just kept doing things that no one believed he could do and kept proving everybody wrong and carrying this team on a backpack up a mountain all season long, refusing to back down. And so I think he's forcing people to have to vote for him. Yes. Yes. And it's analysts like you. There are a lot of people pushing him on Twitter But national broadcasts can make a big difference. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. Last night, Giannis blocked Embiid, sort of like Jokic has done three times to preserve wins, blocked shots this year. Giannis did it to Embiid. Now, Giannis has a chance to be MVP, but I liked it for my bet because I thought it hurt Embiid to get his shot swatted at the end of the game. Did I analyze (laughs) that right? Yes, you did. Well done. <laughs> and, and then and then I think he got a big push by Stan Van Gundy, who isn't on there for his looks or his voice. Sort of like me, he just had some good, smart things to say about basketball. And he said during a broadcast when the Nuggets were killing it, he said, look, if you're fair, this guy's the repeat winner, right? So you can have your, we want to give it to somebody else. But if you're fair... Jokic was amazing last year, and this year he's even better. Am I right? Yes, honestly, yeah. He just continues to prove people wrong, and uh, when we just when we think he can't get any better, he proves all of us wrong as well. I just, I there's not a night that I take for granted being able to watch Nikola Jokic at this stage of his career doing the things that he is doing night in and night out. It is absolutely remarkable. It's hard to even put into words. He's Teams are sending doubles and triples, and he's still finding ways to beat them and finding ways to score himself or to create, you know, these incredible passes and opportunities to get his teammates in positions to score. It just, it's, it's so fun to watch. And he is such a character and a wonderful player and person. So he's an easy, easy player to root for, for that reason as well. Why does he shoot it easy? And so do you. I've seen your jump shot. Perfect form. I know you could get hot as hell. And Joker can too. But as with any shooter, you can start missing. It goes in and out. And lately, Joker has not been shooting great from downtown. And 
even against uh, Charlotte, he started off poorly. So did Bones, and we're going to get to Bones. But Joker said, I'm still going to win this game. And fourth quarter, he's clutch, and he, he pulled the Nuggets through as he does time and again. It's not just that he's great. The man is clutch. Do you agree? Yes. Yes. Uh, there was a broadcast where I called him Nikola Yoklutch when I was sitting nice. in, the, in the analyst seat. And a little cringy, but also worthy of the name in a lot of ways. And I think when he really shines, and this has been a little bit of a distinguishing factor from what I've heard from some of the national media, in Jokic surpassing Embiid because Jokic closes games and wins games for the Nuggets that he probably has no business winning in a lot of these situations and wills this team back from being down. And and when it's go time and Nikola Jokic takeover time, he delivers time and time again. So I think him being able to step up when the team needs him to, recognizing, okay, I need to take over. I need to be the one that does this. I need to be more aggressive. It just has been so fun watching his growth in that regard and the way that he, the the level at which he's been performing in fourth quarters and overtimes down the stretch has been, I mean, one of the best in the NBA, without a doubt. He is such the leader of the Nuggets and all his teammates seem to love him. Who wouldn't? The guy passes the ball, you make a cut, all that. But we can all see that on the basketball floor Following you on social media, I got a tour around the Nuggets private jet. Thank you for that. That was so cool. But what's it like when they travel, when the Nuggets are on the bus? Is Jokic the leader there as well? Well, it's interesting. We take two buses. So the <laughs> the players and the coaches are on one bus, and then everybody else is on a different bus. So I'm not actually riding on the bus typically with Nikola Jokic. I'm on the second bus. But this whole, this Nuggets team, I mean, that's something that Coach Malone has talked about. There's not necessarily one guy who leads them all the time. There's a a bunch of, of players who recognize time and space to where their voice would matter. And that's when they speak up. And I think Nikola Jokic is definitely one of those players. He talks when he feels as though he needs to, but doesn't force the issue at all. Doesn't, you know, say things just to say things. I think that's why when he does speak, he's heard. DeMarcus Cousins is a player that absolutely has come into this Denver Nuggets locker room and his voice has been extremely impactful. Jeff Green being the veteran that he is when he speaks, his voice is very impactful. So I think it's a bunch of different players that at different times throughout the season or when they see things, they share that Aaron Gordon is extremely competitive and, and, He'll talk about things that need to be better. Monte Morris being the the starting point guard. He's had times where he's stepped up and talked to the team. So it's it's really a collective effort in terms of leadership and, and speaking up vocally within this Nuggets group. Well, let's talk about the rookie. Because last year for the Colorado Sun, pretty early on, I called for Jokic to be MVP. And I urged the Nuggets to lock him up, not lose him like the Rockies lost Arenado. Thankfully, Jokic is well-established now. And, of course, it was no great feat on my part to predict how great he was. But this last week, I wrote about Nation Bones Highland. And I researched this guy. And the more I researched, the more I liked him. I love the way he plays, his energy, his smile. 
Is he as special as he appears from the outside? Yes. Yes, he is. And once you hear his story, I think it's easy. It's even easier to root for him and to love him as a Nuggets fan. I mean, what this kid has been through and the adversity that he has faced um, coming from a super small town in Delaware, um, being overlooked in so many ways. And he is is self-made and he, I mean, he's got a great family that has supported him. He made his way at VCU and, um, he has used his struggles to make him stronger. And you see that in the way that he plays, you see that in the way that he steps on the floor and he doesn't take, you know, this game for granted in any way he comes out and, and he plays with so much joy and so much passion. And I think that's because he, he, has had thoughts and instances where he has felt like he might not play again when his family went through the house fire and he had to jump out of his burning house. And he had an issue with his knee after that. He was like, am I going to be able to play basketball again? And anytime somebody has an experience like that, I think when you do rehabilitate yourself back and you find yourself stepping back on the floor, it's a completely different perspective. And the way that Bones plays, the energy that he brings, the positivity that he brings, the competitive fire that he brings, it's contagious, whether you're a teammate of his, a coach of his, or a fan of his. I'm a fan of you and all your social media, including YouTube, where I watched your coach speak about you. It's amazing what you can see on YouTube. Uh, and I studied Bones. He's got an epic one-on-one game in Philadelphia that somebody filmed, and I've tweeted about that. People should look at that. And I watched you on Channel 10 back in the day in the best Bones interview. There have been a lot of ones, but he got interviewed when he was a sophomore uh, at VCU by some other student podcaster, and he was so candid speaking about the fire, which... He has said he survived by 0.2 seconds. He had to make a decision to thrust himself out that window. People told him to jump. They caught his upper body, but his knees smashed into the bricks, put him out, as Katie has described, for six months. But that experience changed him where he decided, you know, nothing's too big for me, and these last-second decisions don't matter. But he decided to put a smile on his face. And is that real? Is he always fun and smiling like that, even off the court? I mean, he's a human being. So there are days, of course, that are that are difficult. But for the most part, yeah, he really is. He is um, walking sunshine in a lot of ways. He is fun. He's funny. He doesn't take life too seriously. He's lighthearted. Um He's always making jokes and putting on a show in front of the cameras and um yeah, I, I mean, he, of course, he, he's a competitor too, right? So he doesn't like to lose. And so that obviously m- makes him upset when that happens or when he doesn't play to the best of his abilities. But for the most part, I think because of everything that Bones has gone through, he recognizes not only the platform that he has, but the the joy that he can bring to people going through his life and, and the difficulties that he's encountered it's allowed him to to see the light a little bit more and to to live each day extremely thankful for what he has and and what you know the world has has given to him so um, and what he has earned because he's worked so hard um, 
such a fun, such a fun guy to be around. Let's Absolutely. Talk, let's just talk a little about his game because you were a great shooter. I can see perfect technique by you. We talked about Jokic and his shooting ability, but Bones Highland, doesn't he have the classic one-hand push shot? And the modern NBA with Steph Curry and now Bones taking it out to 30 feet. Is that a good shot, Katie Wingy? For Bones Highland, it is. <laughs> I think so. I think I think here's the kind of the tricky part with that is, uh, is if it's a heat check, if he's hit two or three right before, yeah, absolutely, launch it up. If it's his first shot of the game and he's coming in and and just taking a couple dribbles down the floor, not making any passes within a Nuggets offensive possession, probably not the best shot. You can get that whenever you want to. So. That's what I would say. Bones has gotten so much better. That's probably where I've seen him grow the most throughout this season. When he slid into that backup point guard spot, he has done such a great job being a facilitator, a playmaker, a floor general for that group, but then also not losing himself as a scorer either. And as a, you know, a a player that can create his own shots because he's still fully capable of doing that. I have loved the two-man game between Bones and Boogie and watching that grow and develop. And Bones, the, his shot selection, I think, has only gotten better as he's played and gotten opportunities with this Denver Nuggets team. And I would assume that it's only going to continue trending that way. It's not just the shot. It's the reaction of him when he gets really hot and then the announcers are part of it. Like you, Katie, when you said... Highland from the Highlands. I love that. Do you do you have that written down ahead of the game, or does it just occur to you? <laughs> no, I mean, me and Chris Marlowe have said that one a couple times, and then I give Vic Lombardi a hard time, too, because Vic is a Denver native, and so he will never call the Highlands the Highlands. Mm-hmm. He calls that area North Denver. So we went back and we had a game where uh, we went back and forth, and Vic said, Bones Highland from North Denver. And I said, Bones Highland from the Highlands. And he said, North Denver. And I said, the Highlands. And so it's just, it's a, it's a fun play on words. How lucky are we to have a player named Bones Highland? How lucky are we to have Bones Highland in general? Um, But anytime you can, can play off of some local Denver flair, you want to do that, right? Right. Here's a tip. Say he makes one from 35 feet. Highlands from Highland from Haiwan. Have you heard of Haiwan up in Evergreen? It's a famous golf course. <laughs> I have not, no. Check it out. H-I-W-A-N. You don't have to attribute it to me, but it's a little further than the Highlands. Get it? Haiwan. And everybody in Evergreen will love you for that. It's a big <laughs> housing area. Haiwan up in Evergreen. But um the other thing I get a kick out of Bones is he does have a chip on his shoulder. He says, I'm from Wilmington. It's a small town. Does he know that Joe Biden lives there now, too? I mean, it's uh, it's not exactly obscure. Do you guys talk about politics when you travel with the Nuggets, or is that forbidden? I mean, is it all sports talk all the time? These are such contentious times for society are you able to talk about things or if you can give me a behind the scenes? I would say it's not sports talk all the time. Uh, Sometimes yes, but because so much of our lives revolve around basketball, I think when we're not covering a game or playing in a game, it's nice to be able to talk about other things. Um, Politics are definitely not off the table, but I think it's just something that a lot of us, we just don't 
talk about right now. Um, do we talk about what's going on in the world? Absolutely. And some of the current events or, or what is making news headlines and that sort of thing. Um, but it, people talk about living in this NBA bubble. And sometimes that's a very true thing. Like we have a game at least every other day. We're talking about this team and their opponents and what's going on in the NBA and what's going on in this league more than we talk about most things. We talk about, you know, who's the greatest of all time. We talk about, you know, old style of NBA basketball versus new style of NBA basketball. So, but we also talk about music and fashion and, and food and the cities that we're going to and connections that people have there. So I think it's pretty colorful conversation for the most part. I saw Tim Connolly and Mike Malone at Blake Street uh, Tavern uh, before the season. Tim Connolly said the only two things you can really talk about with, without arguing generally are sports and food. So I get it. My last question for you, and you've been so generous with your time. I didn't hear you say it, but I think her name's Shelly Bradbury after Bones got really hot in one of those national games. Uh, she said just what I did. Was that Bones, Bones Highland is on fire. And I thought, uh-oh. You know, and I've heard Chris Marlowe, dear friend, he's been a guest on my show. He said... Highland started a bones fire. And I thought, that's a great line. And then I thought, uh-oh. But how else can you talk about somebody making long three-pointers one after another without some reference to him getting hot, warm, heat checked? You know what I mean? Should we even be thinking about that? Would Bones Highland be bothered about it? Nobody means any offense. Yeah, I, I saw um, a similar tweet as well. Um, and I, I stay clear of it, in all honesty. I really do. I think that that is just such a sensitive topic. And if I would never want to, I don't think he would take offense to it, but I, I don't want to have to bring up old memories for Bones that are, are not great memories. So um, heating up, I think, is okay. Um, I even think it's okay to say on fire, but like anytime you're, you're talking about, you know, burning down the house or anything like that, I would steer clear of that. I think there's kind of a fine line between what works and what doesn't and, and what you want to do with Bones Island. Well, you're a wordsmith. You've got a master's degree. You're a professor. You teach at Metro State. I'm so appreciative of your time. I saw you on social media posting another funny thing, all the different words you can use to describe Jokic. So with your good vocabulary, there are a lot of different ways to describe Bones um, Heating up, as we said. So you know what he said uh, during his podcast. I think he likes. He went off. I went off in this game. I, I, yeah. You know what I mean. So the guy going off. What are have you thought of good words to describe when he gets going? No, honestly, I haven't. Um, and sometimes he catches you so off guard. And um, I, I try and be as authentic and natural during broadcasts and during games as I possibly can. So whatever comes to me is kind of what I go with. Um. I think going off is great. I think that that is a, is a great way to describe what Bones does, especially because he scores in such a sporadic fashion so often. It's like he'll get nine points in a couple minutes um, or knock down a couple shots all at once. So, um, yeah, I'll have to give some thought to that for sure. Right. But, you know, just talking about those clusters of threes that Bones Highland can make and it puts a smile on your face because when he does it and he lets loose with that smile – doesn't that just 
force everybody to smile? Even guys on the other team probably smile at that. Yeah, I think so. I think he's got a contagious smile for sure. Maybe not on the other team. They might be getting angry at that time. But I think within the Nuggets team and in this franchise and the fan base, when Bone smiles, we all smile. I don't know. I saw Chris Paul. If ever there's a tough critic, he likes Bone's game. He said so on Mm -hmm. Twitter. Anyway, Katie, you've been wonderful. So good to meet you. You are a superstar. And just what you said about being authentic and natural, that shines through. That's what makes you great. And you can tell you played, you know the game, you study up, and you have a fantastic future. What an honor to speak with you. Thank you, Craig. I really appreciate that. That's very nice to say. I'm, I'm honored and so grateful to be in Denver and covering a great team and working alongside a wonderful community like you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Go Nuggets. Bye-bye. Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, You know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like, I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep. And I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887. Or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book and appointment link on on the website. All right, Michael Bailey. Thank you. I've been fighting for Colorado crime victims for the last four decades. There's a great new Colorado law. It allows victims as far back as January 1, 1960 to hold accountable the perpetrators and the organizations that allowed it to happen. If you were sexually assaulted, now is the time to come forward. Call me anytime you are ready at 303-861-2800. Ask for Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Troubadour, so good to see you. Good to see you, Craig. Thank you for my present. You were in the Big Apple, and I love it. New York City, the capital of the world. Does it still feel like that? It does to me. How cool. And you were there with your daughter. That's got to be thrilling, having one of your progeny working big time in Manhattan. 
she's doing well, and it, yes, and it gives me good reason to go and visit often. Now, we have not discussed too many things because we usually go walking with our dogs. I have to ask you just cold. What did you think of Will Smith smacking the shit out of Chris Rock? I'm probably the one person who hasn't weighed in on this. Um, I, I, I didn't watch. You know, we were so busy in New York doing things that I only saw the YouTube later. Well, uh, that's all right. What did you think? You mean whether it was justified? Any and all thoughts appreciated. Um, I, I think he probably there were probably alternative ways of showing his disfa- his you know disfavor. Good. Um, but but I understood where it came from. Right. 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 But when I prosecuted people for assault yes. and sometimes escalated to murder, uh, I'd say about ninety nine percent of the time they were mad about something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He had a right to be mad and I, I understand him defending his wife, but it was it was pretty crazy. Now I'm thinking about you. When does it get to the point where you are willing to fight? And students of our show know that our troubadour once found fit in Massachusetts <laughs> while you were doing an East Coast tour with your band. Somebody got a little anti Semitic and you let loose. Let loose with that story one more time. Um, I was playing with my band in, in, uh, I, I'm not sure which, if it was, it it was one of the, uh, it was Situate or Hull or some, some suburb of Boston. And, uh, the band was the Scatterbrains. We were having a great time, great audience. And some guy was just giving slurs. He was just making anti-Semitic slurs. And, uh, I put it up, put up with it for a little while. And the next thing I knew my guitar was off and I, uh, leapt off the stage and, and, uh, onto, (laughs) onto him. And what ensued was pretty much a riot. Did you get prosecuted? I didn't. You know, my band all jumped in, and uh, and and there were, you know, and his ba- his buddies jumped in, and we were brawling. It was it was an old fashioned brawl. Did the cops come? The cops came. The bar shut down. Yeah, it was it was a pretty big deal. And I have to say, I'm the one who who started it. I mean, at least physically. Um, you know, I I can't say I've ever really regretted it, but uh, there again, there was probably a a better way of of responding. A lot of people have said, hey. Regardless of whether Chris Rock wanted to press charges, uh, he Will Smith should have been arrested and charged. I don't know about that any more than your situation, because if somebody doesn't want to press charges, then uh, you have very little chance of success with the prosecution. Now, are there policy considerations when it comes to domestic violence and recanting witnesses or victims? Or women who don't want to press charges, of course, because there's a cycle of violence and there's a dependency. And we've made some choices, but the legal commentators who say, you know, this is special treatment, it's the same thing you got in that suburb of Boston. And it happens all the time, but not in domestic violence anymore. And I agree with all of that. But Geez, we would have talked about that, and we will on future walks. But I want to talk about this song because it so fits the uh, subject matter, which is Katie Wenge, who covers the Nuggets, and our fascination with Bones Highland, who suffered a horrible house fire, his grandmother and his little cousin, who he considered a little brother, dead. And now when he gets really... Uh, 
proficient at shooting. It's hard not to come up with a word other than he's on fire or he's hot. And uh, I think Bones is on a roll as a way to go. But you have fire in your song, and I would expect Bones would say, you don't have to steer away because fire is in a lot of songs. He can't always think that fire is terrible every time he hears it. But I've never been a victim of fire like that. What do you think? I think, yeah, lately there's been so many victims right. of fire. I mean, when you think about the uh, Marshall Fire and, and, and prior to that, uh, other fires in our area that have swept through. I mean, it's, it's a, it, but, you're, but you're right. I mean, I'm being on fire and, and fire also has a very, a very positive, passionate kind of, uh, you know, kind of meaning. And religious candles, fire, everybody right. thinks about it, talks about it. So in a Dave Gunder's song, I bet you have dozens with fire in it, but this song, The Rebound, definitely has a fire in it. And have you ever thought about that? Because you were so touched by that Marshall fire, and it gets to you because you love Boulder, and so do I. Have you thought maybe... I don't use the word fire anymore, or is that just ridiculous? No, I mean, it, I don't think it's ridiculous, but it's not, you know, I mean, a fire, it, it, it's like like so many things, it can be it can be a, a useful, wonderful thing. I mean, a candle, a, you know, a, a lit candle is a spiritual thing. It feels, you feel closer to God when you light candles. Um, the idea of a burning, you know, the eternal light and everything, you know, um, and, and... Being uh, a light... You, Amongst the nation of the world, right? And the light bring in the darkness, light. Yeah. yes. And then Bones Highland has dedicated himself to that. He always puts a smile on his face because he wants to bring the light. It was Joe Biden's campaign theme. I still think he's doing good with how he's handling Ukraine. How about you? I do, and I think, um, and it was interesting lis- listening to Rabbi Rhines because I, I. Uh, I think I'm, I'm, I might have uh, discussed a little with you that I thought Israel could be doing better in terms of standing up for Ukraine, condemning Russia, um, maybe sending weapons and this and that. When I heard, when I heard Rabbi Reins um, explain about um, Israel and Russia being in Syria and also keeping a lid on the Syrians and, the, and potentially you know, the aggressions of the Iranians, I began to understand he's, he's a little bit in, 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 in a corner in terms of uh, being very, having to be very careful to not escalate things. Boy, and they have terrorism problems galore right now in Israel, and Naftali uh, Bennett, the prime minister, had COVID. That's not good. I just got my fourth booster, or whatever it is, my fourth jab. You know, I don't even know. I don't even know what inspired you to do that. I'm not even thinking about it. Craig. It's I'm over. Thinking, but it, it, you had COVID. I didn't. You've yeah. talked about it on the show. I'm trying to stay away, but I like being around you. I like getting the sun on my face. That's part of your song, The Rebound. And I considered myself a pretty good rebounder. I loved it when Coach Carly in college said, "Craig, you're known for your scoring. You're scoring over 20 points a game." But I consider you to be an even better rebounder. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. That's how I got a lot of points, offensive rebounds. But, of course, I'm going to love your song, The Rebound, but it's not just basketball. In life, you get dealt some nasty blows and you have to rebound from it, just like Bones Highland. Right, right. The rebound is important. And your song is just beautiful. You've got some mournful fiddles. Is that what it is? It's I mean, a, yeah, it's a violin. My my good buddy, Johnny Neal, 
as he's the one who plays who plays such a beautiful moving moving violin on that one. You have a a blitz. We're talking about somebody who goes off or gets on a roll. Uh, just a cluster of great three pointers. You have a cluster of great lyrics. At the end, you put them together. Nothing to lose. Nothing to say. Just follow the truth. Thinking of you and all we can do. I mean, you just let loose at the end. The song's beautiful all the way through. I want to give everybody a chance to hear it. It's perfect for Bones, for Katie Winchie, who's going to be going far. And uh, I've had to rebound a bit since my encounter with Peter Boyles. We're going to talk about that, too. We talk about everything on this show. No forbidden topics. Like Jenny Thomas, can you believe the wife of the Supreme Court judge? You don't need to comment on that, Troubadour. Let's get to your song. Here it is, The Rebound by Dave Gunders. Thanks, Troubadour. Thanks, Craig. Now, I don't mind not taking a taxi home No, I'll be there when you arrive Take your time Just don't miss your flight Cause we'll find our own wings tonight
Michael Bailey, a friend, a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So by setting up your estate plan, you know what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's going to go, you know who's going to get it. We've got everything in place so we're not running to a court to try to get guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined. It's all set up. So there's, it's like the the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey, because who should have this? It's probably somebody close. Who do you trust most among your children to make that call? These are the hard and good questions that you ask every day, right, Michael? Right. And if you ask them beforehand, when you're not in the middle of a crisis, then when a crisis hits, we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else. We're going, okay, we've got a smooth transition of power here. We've got a smooth who's in charge, and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on the care. There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? Best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to michaelbaileylawllc.com. And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. Right Wing Media Watch. Right Wing Media Watch. Hey, I understand that Peter Boyles is retiring. That guy was an important figure in my life. They had a celebration on April 1 in the morning, his last show. I was not invited, but I have my thoughts and I'd like to share them with you. Peter Boyles did some really remarkable things in his career. He kept a job for many decades. That's one remarkable thing. He raised a goodly amount of money for charity, and he was uh, indomitable for getting up early in the morning and dominating not just uh, morning radio, but the Denver radio scene. I was the beneficiary when... Jean Benet passed away, and I had just run against Bill Ritter and lost. He called me for some commentary, and I ended up being a regular, and that helped launch my media career, which really had started before that with uh, O.J. Simpson and Dan Kaplis was on the radio, and I did a lot of print commentary even while I was a prosecutor about O.J., and then with Dan on the radio on 760 So I was familiar with the radio, and when I lost my race for Denver DA, they asked me to do some fill-in work. But it was, um, when was it? When Kobe Bryant got arrested, that Dan and I started doing his show regularly on Saturday mornings. And then they 
uh, had its due evenings filling in for Ken Sasso, who passed away, and people liked this. And pretty soon I was offered afternoon drive with Dan on KHOW. I had a lot of money and a lot of benefits. And Peter Boyles was the morning host. He wanted us to come over. I knew Peter Boyles better than from being a guest on his show and countless episodes of Colorado Inside Out, which he was hosting. And I asked him about whether I should take the job, and he said yes, and that I was smart enough, funny, uh, glib, whatever he said. It was very nice, and he encouraged me to do it. And I did it, and we were part of the same station. And then he got in trouble. Our show went off, and then he emerged at Ken West, and again, Dan Kaplis over there. And I wanted my own show, and they gave it to me Saturday mornings. And I did regular stuff with Dan and Peter all the time. Dan in the afternoon, Peter in the morning, and I got paid for it, too. I loved the relationship, and I made good money for doing something that I love, which is just telling the truth as I see it. And then came Trump. And I went along with Trump. Peter Boyles fell in love with Trump. Others did as well. Then Dan left the station. Meanwhile, Peter Boyles, who really had never liked politicians generally, other than Tom Tancredo and Pat Buchanan, well, he fell in love with Trump and he became a supporter for a long time. I fell hard off the Trump wagon with Charlottesville, and I said so on my show, and it grew, and it grew to the point that they ripped my mic away from me. When I say they, I mean the powers to be at KNUS, which is really Peter Boyles. I had been fed up with Peter Boyles because he's the guy who shut off our regular discussions as Donald Trump sank into problems, especially with that Ukrainian shakedown. I called it out. I was the only one on the station to do so, and I got frozen out. And I had a producer, Kirk Whitland, who was a big MAGA guy, and he produced for Tubbs and no more invites in the morning for Boyles, and that's fine. But I really felt Trump was a danger. And Dan Kaplis wanted me on his show, had me on to discuss this. He wanted me to partner with him in the afternoon again, and I wanted to defeat Donald Trump. And I told I told the powers that be over there that I want a Saturday show, and maybe I'd do a show with Dan too. My contract at KNUS specifically allowed for all of that. Anyway, in my show links, I will give you an article which explains what happens. But part of what happened was Peter Boyle saw fit to attack me for a steady week. He never called me. He claimed that he did. I've listened to the tapes now. He never called me, but that's just as well because I was fed up with that guy. And boy, did he badmouth me. Boy, did he engage in a conspiracy theory with Randy Corcoran and Kirk Whitland and Kelly Michaels where they had me wearing some Fancy blue suit, the one I wore with Brian Stelter on CNN. And they said I must have had it all prearranged for them to rip the microphone away from me. And it was just made up based on a pot mitzvah that I had attended two weeks ago, the last time I really interacted with Corcoran in the studio. I did not know that Kirk Woodland would turn out to be an apparent 
neo-Nazi. Just Google that, Kirk Woodland. The guy that Peter Boyles had on his show to run me down and further corroborate this blue suit lie. Hey, I told my audience what was happening, that it may be my last show because I felt that was respectful to my audience. Then I was waiting to have Scott Robinson on in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, but Peter Boyle's got a taste of his own medicine because you would have to ask him whether he switched because he saw everybody getting sued, including Randy Corcoran and KNUS, and he did not want to get sued personally, so he backed off the big lie of Donald Trump, much to the consternation of his audience, which has attacked him for a year and a half, leading to him leaving Maybe it caused his stroke, too. Peter Boyle said a lot of honest things and a lot of very revealing things during his last couple of years, including being involved in the biggest story of his life. Look, the guy was a top 10 birther along with Donald Trump. If you listed the top 10 of birthers in America, the people who said Obama wasn't legitimate because he was a black guy born in Africa or somewhere else, Boyle's always said, I don't believe his narrative, his story, and he would have on all the conspiracy theorists. And Trump, he used the same dog whistle of racism. And I was on the same station. I put up with it. I probably should have spoken out more against it. And when Boyle's had his falling out with Bill Owens, Bill Ritter, Stan Garnett, You know, those are people that got run down by Boyles, who has a history of doing these things. But as I said, it came back on him when he decided that he did not want to get sued over the big lie, even though he had Joe Altman on. I'll play that sound. He got the big lie going, just like he got John Bonet going. He had Altman on. But in the end, let me lead with what he said not that long ago. September 27th, and what will turn out to be the last official year of his career. Expect him to hang on. The guy can't stay away. You'll hear podcasts, whatever. But he won't be the morning host regularly anymore. And these stations are all diminished. I don't think many people will be listening anymore. There's too much competition. Good podcasts like my own. And they don't talk about things. Jenny Thomas... Her conflict with uh, Clarence Thomas, what a great talking point, but they won't talk about it. How about Trump and how he's implicated in January 6th? They won't talk about it. They can't talk about it. They're Republicans. They're part of the uh, hierarchy there, and they're duty-bound not to pick sides amongst Republicans and just to denigrate Democrats, and what good is radio like that? There's no honest discussion. You're a party official, man. When did they start allowing that party officials to host radio shows? Well, you can do it. That's fine. Ted Cruz has podcasts. That's okay. But if people want to listen to news talk, is there any objectivity there when you've got you know, Randy Corcoran, state committee man, George Brockler, who's uh, a congressional this or that where he can't be partisan, but we always know who their favorites are. 
That was the beauty of Boyles for a long time. He was not part of any political party. He was a talk radio host, but he came to realize that a litmus test had developed. And the only way you can be a talk show host anymore is to be totally for Donald Trump and his big lie, or at least not talk about it. Don't talk about Jenny Thomas. Don't talk about anything that might make Donald Trump look bad. The audience will hate you. Peter Boyle started talking about his wall of hate at the end. The people who had texted him while he was doing his show. Man, that's got to be hard on your mental health. It's the litmus test to be a talk radio host. You can't, oh, yeah. you can't be a talk show host, particularly on this radio station, without, you know, taking the, the big lie and saying that Donald Trump really did win, but winky, winky. And then Boyles admitted that it was a ridiculous job anymore, and they don't pay anymore. People buy their show to support their law firms. There's no real money anymore. There's more money in podcasting. Who legitimately wants to go in the middle of this? And certainly no one with any brains. No, it'd be nice if somebody would just, I don't know, I just wish, I wish you'd have somebody who'd just call it like it is and just say, they, well, they do, you know, they do. And I then they're done. That. And when they tell the truth, then they're done. Well, now Peter Boyles is apparently done. I take that as a compliment. I'd say Peter Boyle's biggest story is being part of the big lie. Because he had Joe Oltman on when I had never heard of him before. Even though I got disgusted by Boyle's, I still listened. I will not be listening anymore because it's boring and it's not objective. It's the party line. But I will be covering the case of Coomer v. Can U.S. and Corcoran. Because uh, here we have it, uh, Joe Altman, right after the election, comes on, courtesy of Randy Corcoran, delivered to his then-friend Peter Boyles. Oh, by the way, Randy Corcoran and Peter Boyles, they used to be best buddies on the radio. But after the lawsuit started flying, well, Corcoran was excommunicated from Boyle's show, which meant that he had no real other place to go at Ken U.S. other than his Saturday morning show. I know that feeling. And to think that Corcoran delivered to Boyles, Joe Altman, this will be the subject of this civil litigation. Give a lesson to how that went. Peter Boyles so excited to have this big guest on, so disappointed when he thinks that the guy won't show up. Voice of the people. News Talk 710, KNUS, Denver. Warning, the contents of this program could help you think for yourself. It's the Peter Boyles Show on News Talk 710, KNUS. Want to know something amazing? We got him, Billy? Guy's not answering. Um, Billy, come on the air and talk, because this guy's an important guy. Morning. We're chasing this for a second. It's Tuesday, November the 17th, 2020. I'm Peter Boyles. This is Radio Free Denver, Voice of the People, 710 KNUS on a Tuesday, 69 high, 73 Wednesday, 64 Thursday. We're not finding Joel Altman. Uh, Joel Altman appeared with Randy Corcoran on Saturday. And Randy, we're blanking out here. 
Uh, Randy said he's the guy to listen to. And Billy talked to him, I think, or booked him by phone or booked him by t- by He never talked to him. He booked it by texting. Now we don't have him. We'll see what happens. Go back to open lines, 303-696-1971. And if he comes on the line, we'll bring him on the show. Was the election stolen? And now Peter Cozy's up to his guest, even telling Mr. Altman to give a kiss to Mrs. Altman for him. We got him? Good. Whoa. I was sweating bullets. Please say good morning. Really looking forward to this. This is Joel Altman, O-L-T-M-A-N. Hey, Joel. Thanks, man. Good morning and welcome, because you did the show Saturday. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Hey, thanks a lot. It's Joe, J-O-E. Oh, okay. Altman. Shows you what I know. With two N's. Sorry. So spell it right. So I do it. Uh, O-L-T-M-A-N-N. Gotcha. Um, do your bio. But I've been called worse, Peter. Uh, you, so you I, I, come sit on this side of the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you worse. Um, do, a, do a bio and talk about yourself so people know who you are. Um, I'm the CEO of a tech company um, uh, by day. I started uh, FEC United, which is an organization that works um, to kind of bring some sensibility to our community and empower people. So I started that about uh, 26 weeks ago that now has 91,000 members. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm one of the co-hosts of Conservative Daily. I had to come out. I was... I was using the uh, pen name Joe Otto for that for the last 11 years, and well, you, you, because of all this. You do a radio show or as a, or as a pod? pod? Podcast. Okay, it's a yeah, pod. We're the, okay. It's actually a really good podcast. No, I mean, it's not as popular as you, but it's uh, you know, we're in the top hey. 40. <laughs> Give it a plug. Where do you, who co-hosts with you, and where do you do it? Um, we do it at our studio, and it's uh, in um, Denver, Colorado. And our co-host is uh, Max McGuire. He's uh, he's uh, quite the individual. All right. So, what's your education? So, yeah. Where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in Washington D.C. Right. And and um, I'm uh, can you can uh, sorry, I must kiss my wife goodbye. Okay, kiss her for I, kiss I her for you. kiss her for me. Remember that kiss her All for right. me. Yeah. Peter Boyles is almost apologetic to ask good questions, but he gets a few interesting things out there. Where the rubber yeah. meets the road is what's happened. And right. I, I promised last night, you know, that I was talking, you know, about getting ready to speak with you. Billy listened to your show with um, with Randy. I did not. So, you know, this is our first time we've uh, first time I've listened. Um, right. Have you been approached by anyone in the Trump team? to bring your work into a courtroom? Yes. Yes, I have. I've signed an affidavit, and um, uh, I've been in constant contact with the Trump lawyers. And uh, could, you, could you name them, the, the lawyers that you've been talking to? Um, you know, the, the uncomfortable part for me is that I don't know what I'm supposed to say and not supposed to okay. say about who I'm talking to over there, but well, I will tell you that all the names that you're hearing about in the, in the news... Uh, many of those I've been having conversations with. But give me an example. I mean, please, I don't want to press, but this is an important interview. So by name, if the names are in the media, did they contact you or did you contact them? Um, they contacted me. Okay. Predicated on? Well, predicated mostly on what we're actually talking about right now. It's just the okay. amount of information that I had related to 
uh, Eric Coomer and Dominion Voting Systems. Mm-hmm. You know, I, di- I didn't set out, I didn't set out to uh, um, to uncover Eric Coomer. I wasn't even looking for him. I understand. So it's not a, it wasn't a, um, yeah. it wasn't something that I was actually trying to, I was trying to okay. uh, uncover. It wasn't like I, mm-hmm. I said Dominion Voting Systems and I started this whole deal mm-hmm. looking for them. I was looking for uh, Antifa journalists. And? And stumbled upon uh, Eric Duber. So, I, I mean, if you want, I can walk through the entire process. Oh, please. What I, what, what, yeah, I am fascinated. There's a bunch of things that I wrote down to myself. Is, and, you know, and, and you you're, sound like a very bright man. And then he talks about a lot of rumors, and he's almost apologetic. I'm sorry. I just had to ask. And there's a lot yeah, of rumors. Let, let, a lot of rumors. Go ahead, please. What what I found out was not rumors, not innuendo. All right. Um, it was, and I'll tell you, I was on a phone call trying to, uh, sorry, I'm getting hushed out. I have cool. You're two cool. men that are guard, guarding me right now. Right. So wow. Of, I got to do. Can I ask you who's guarding you? Um, two guards From, with guns. Well, <laughs> most guards. But, I mean, who hired them and... And who, who plus, at your home, they, they're guarding you at your house right now? Uh, Peter, with all due respect, I'll, I'll talk to you about the case and I'll talk to you about things uh, related to it. But giving you information about my safety and security, I'm probably Fair not. Fair enough. Well, listen, I, I get that. I understand. I'm sorry. I, I had to ask. And then we get to the good stuff. This preposterous intercepted Antifa call. Here's a good detailed explanation of how it went down. Peter Boyles with Joe Altman as the big lie gets unfurled right here in Colorado. I'll, I'll just kind of give you the quick story, and then I'll let you fill in and ask mm-hmm. questions from there. Okay. But, um, back in late September, mid to late September, um, I got on a phone call that happened to be an Antifa call. Um, actually, I knew it was an Antifa call when I got on it. And I was listening, and there was quite a bit of rhetoric that was going back and forth. And so I took notes, right? And in those notes... I just started writing down. Um, you know, how did, how did you happening. get on? How did you get on the call? Um, very carefully. No, no. I mean that's <laughs> that's not an answer. I mean, how did you did you tap in? Is that how you got in? No, I I, I legally got on the call. So everything I did was legal. No, well then, um, they, but in getting on the call right. and getting on the call, I um, started listening, and uh, a person got on, started talking, and somebody. Asked who Eric was, and somebody else responded, "Eric is the Dominion guy." Um, so, as the phone call went on, and he started talking about things that they needed to do as an organization, um, and to fortify and to make sure that um, to make sure that uh, um, th- that they kept the pressure on, and they were talking about you know uh, targets. And somebody said, what are we going to do if Trump wins? And he responds, you don't worry about the election. Trump's not going to win. I effing made sure of that. And then there was some laughing and then people saying, and then people saying effing right. Do you, you have a tape and, of this? Uh, do you have a tape of this? Um, you know, I can't tell you what I do uh, and okay. don't have, but I, but, I will, but I will tell you that, um, you know, I got off that. At the moment, I was started laughing myself because I'm like, this is ridiculous. These guys think they're Jedi warriors. They think that they can will the, and, the election. And if right? I may, so, this, this is Joe Altman. Um, yeah. Joe, Joe, when did this call take place? So 
somewhere between the you know middle and end of September of this year. So I, of this year, yeah. All right. And so I, I wrote notes. I would I did go back and do some research on on Eric, and I just it really started my research very simply with Eric Dominion, Denver, Colorado. So not a very clever, you know, uh, uncover of information. But as I put that in there, the first thing that came up was Eric Coomer, Dominion Voting Systems. Right. So I did some research and due diligence on him, but he wasn't actually someone I was looking for. So in going through this process, it's not like um, I set out and said, ooh, I had all this information. I set it aside, found out that he had a Ph.D. in, in nuclear physics, uh, found out that he's very, very smart, has a very uh, robust background in code. I found out that he uh, um, uh, has multiple patents. Um, uh, out there with lots of other people. I didn't do any research at that point on those people. Um, and then I just figured that he worked for CIA, FBI. Someone, I figured a person that smart with that background would not be Antifa. And so um, I had a conversation with uh, uh, Tig, John Tig Tigan, um, about this. Who we know. Uh, who, we, we know. Yeah. yeah, he's an American hero, regardless of these Antifa journalists and what they write. And so uh, I had the conversation with him, and I said, hey, these guys are just nuts. They really are. And kind of went on about my business, and uh, I was able to uncover uh, quite a few Antifa journalists, not just because of this call, but because of other uh, infiltrations we had within Antifa. And uh, so I had a meeting on October 15th at uh, Bandemir for the FEC United and oh my, the interlocking relations, Bandemir, 710 KNUS, Colorado Christian University. Let's hear about that meeting at Bandemir where Randy Corcoran is the Bandemir lawyer and they have the FEC meetings attended by hundreds and they defied the anti-mask, anti-vax orders and they talk about Heidi Beadle who's been a great guest of ours. At that meeting, I... I basically said. May, may, may I ask? Who, may I ask who you met with? I'm just going to interject from time to time for clarification. Who did you meet with at Bandemir? Okay. Who did you meet with? No, we held an FEC United meeting at Bandemir. May I so ask? We you? actually held a. Okay. Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? people there? Was it the night of the rally, or was it another night? No. No. So October 15th was a was a we we had our own meeting. So we have FEC United meetings uh, every other week. And we get together, and FEC stands for Faith, Education, and Commerce, uh, the three pillars of our community. So um, we built this organization uh, on top of a law and policy center that allowed for us to have teeth and give people in the community back the ability to uh, have constitutional integrity. And be- who, who was at the meeting? Um, the meeting was, yeah. So we have people from the community that actually come to these meetings. I mean, we have somewhere between three and 500 people that show up uh, every time we have a meeting. So well, any any, pro- any prominent names were any prominent names at the meeting? Well, I think there's lots of prominent people that are involved in it, but none that I would probably stay on this call. Okay. Um, so uh, I uh, uh, so at that meeting, I basically called out the Antifa journalists, the activist journalists that don't represent telling a story. They represent, you know, slandering people in the community that stand up against. Uh, you know, they're socialist and uh, communist values. So I said, actually, on tape that we actually live cast it across, across the Internet that we were, you know, we were going to uncover that. We were going to do the same doxing that they do to others. We we're going to do to them. And we we're going to make sure everyone knew that they were Antifa. So 
in in doing this, I uh, um, you know they they wrote a, a story on it. The Colorado Times recorder, uh, one of the uh, Antifa journalists or suspected Antifa journalists, I said, I, I should say. Would you name? Um, would you name? Would you name the journalist? Oh, I'll name a few of them. I, I know that. I'll tell you one in Colorado Springs that's a Antifa leader and a part of our revolution, which is the same organization that Chris Jacks is a part of, that threatened to kill Americans in the street, um, that said he infiltrated and represents most uh, majorities in the Democrat Party across Colorado. And that's uh, Heidi Beadle. She uh, uses her information at the Colorado Independent and the uh, Colorado Springs Business or Colorado Springs Independent and the Colorado Springs Business Journal in order to dox business people. Right. That, that, again, disagree or speak up against their uh, Antifa. So she is a known Antifa journalist. Uh, but there's others in Denver. There's actually some really prominent ones in Denver um, that uh, are quite friendly or associated with the Antifa movement, which, by the way, is not an idea. It's an actual movement. It's okay. an actual no, I, I understand all that. Who, who in Denver, by name, plays this? Uh, so there's there's an old saying that loose lips sink ships. I get it. And uh, I will use that information when I have to use that information. All right. Uh, right now, it's, again, it's not pertinent to what I found out about Eric Coomer, nor how it happened. And the only reason I brought up the meeting on the 15th, because, it, you know, I came out and told everyone on the 15th that I was doing research on Antifa. I, I, I mean, I, it follows the path of everything that I've been saying. Um, but again, I didn't know who Eric was, nor did I care who Eric was. I didn't feel like he was an important part of the puzzle. Um, so fast forward to the election, election night, we all go to sleep thinking that President Trump had won. He had comfortable leads in all swing states. Uh, it was predicted, uh, you know, that night that he'd win at somewhere around 300, 305 electoral votes. And uh, what was weird is that they wouldn't call those states. Like they were calling states that were really close with Trump and Biden, but they, the news media was not calling those states. And all of us had this sinking feeling that, up oh, here we go. Now it's getting good, but it's a shame that Peter Boyles doesn't follow up with some cross-examination, but he won't do it. Yet we learn a lot more because we find out when it was that Joe Altman realized he was sitting on the big lie or what he would call the big truth that Donald Trump got cheated in the election by Eric Coomer and Dominion. Fast forward past the election to Friday. I'm up elk hunting with my friends. Um, I'm sitting down. Somebody sends me an article to read um, about what happened in Georgia and the fact that the voting machines uh, uh, glitched or I'm sorry, didn't glitch. They did not glitch. I didn't, they, they shut down for a couple hours for an update. And so I started reading and thinking to myself, well, first of all, why would it, why would the machines shut down in these in these counties for an update? And then I got to the part where it had Eric Coomer's name. And then all of a sudden I put it together and I said, wait a minute, I know that. I, that's the guy. Dominion was in 40 states. I didn't know that they had prominent uh, uh, responsibility for 23 states. Um, by their own admission, in 2012, they... They had over 70 million of the votes in the U.S. they were responsible for. So I didn't know any of that at the time. So I started doing research. Um, I, I sat down and for the next couple hours just started making phone calls and texting people and, and emailing and gathering information and doing more research on Eric Coomer. 
And uh, then I said to myself, I've got to get access to his social account. Well, his social account was tied up, was pretty tight. I mean, he he makes sure that he keeps everything behind a pretty tight wall, but I was able to gain access to his Facebook page. And um, when I went through his Facebook page, and again, I you have this, you know, this sinking feeling in your gut. As I went through his Facebook page, I was like, oh my gosh. I started sending friends of mine text that says, I think I'm in trouble. I think I have information on someone who is Antifa that is, you know, responsible for the fate of our elections. All right, this and, is a perfect, uh, perfect time for me to break. You set it up. And it wasn't just one day. That was November 18, 2020. Not long after the election, he had him back the next day. And he welcomes Joe Altman home. Welcome home to 710 KNUS. And they have an interesting discussion about fire. Fire runs through this show. This guy's been fine and kind enough to come back on the radio show after being on yesterday. Joe Oltman joins us. Joe, good morning. Thanks for doing it again, and welcome home. Hey, uh, good morning. All right, so I would say I would say I'm glad to be here, but uh, frankly, uh, you know, I've been doing this nonstop for the last couple of days. What have you been What have you been doing? Doing a lot of shows. Yeah, just doing a lot of shows and talking to a lot of people, and um, frankly, just getting making sure that all the information that we have is. Uh, Locked tight. So, okay, let us. It, it, uh, I, I agree with uh, okay. Lynn Wood's assessment. Okay. Again, there's your statements. W- when do you think the cards will get turned over? Well, I think you have to be really careful when you turn the cards over, right? So, you have to give people the opportunity to come forward. You have to make sure you validate all the claims. You got to make sure you're not dealing with crackpots that, you know, that did not have the knowledge that they, they say they had. Um, now you're hearing about videos coming out of. Of people inside of Dominion actually talking about having the ability to turn over uh, millions of, uh, of votes. So, I mean, it's, it, it's as I said before yesterday, um, I think the code becomes very complicated. It is not transparent. Um, and through that, that you know, the, the, I think the final part of this would be getting access to the code. Um, if they were smart on the code side, they would build in certain safeguards that would not allow for um, the code to be discovered, and that would actually even prove more that um, the, the intent of Dominion all along. But I think that by putting all the pieces together, it, you only got one shot. We have a very small window in order to present this information. And if you do the, if you present it incorrectly or you're putting it in front of a judge, and, and judges are not experts in this, so you have to make sure you dumb it down uh, to a point where they can actually understand what you're trying to uh, relay. So, what do you think the smoke? Think you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't think there's just one smoking gun. I think there's multiple smoking guns. Um, and I think there's also a lot of uh, data and information that um, just, uh, unfortunately, it's it's like if you have somebody walking away from a house that starts burning and that same person's walking away from other houses that are burning, uh, you may not necessarily see them actually start the fire and throw fire, but um, you, you, it's not a coincidence that they're walking away from all these different fires, which, again, is how it actually led me to all the information about Eric Coomer, Do who it, I really yeah. think is a red herring in the organization. So what did Peter Boyle think of Joe Altman in the end? Well, you can hear it right here. As Boyles suggests that the big lie is true, there's a RICO, they're going to prove it, Lynn Wood is part of the great team, This is back November 19, 2020. Listen to Peter Boyles end his interview 
with Joe Altman, an interview he's never played during the subsequent months and years because he doesn't want people remembering this, but this is going to be an exhibit at the trial, and Peter Boyles will be testifying. You don't know where the head of the snake is, right? And so this is not uh, an exercise in hyperbole or in, in uh, you know throwing things out there that's uh, conjecture. Uh, contrary to you know, the New York Times and some of the other uh, media outlets that, frankly, I think are garbage, um, this is this is a this is they have to go through certain steps to protect the people that are actually coming forward. They have to make sure they get as much information on who's involved in this, so they can wipe out large swaths of these people, so they can keep the people that are coming forth uh, safe. Right? I mean, it's uh, it, it's you can't get into multiple states and do the things that they're doing without having people involved in it um, I mean, at every level. That I conspiracy mean, is Rico's, and you're, I, thought, I thought a lot about you last night. I, I did a lot of reading. Uh, I read yeah. about this, tr- tried every day, but it kind of, you're really kind of presenting a Rico. Uh, you, Lynn, um, Giuliani, who used the Rico to clean up the Godfathers in New York, um, it's a Rico. I mean, you're talking about racketeering and corrupt organization, whoever did this. If, you know, this guy's great. Joe Altman's here. So here is how we knew that Peter Boyles was almost through with his radio career. Episode 48, I titled it Boyles' Capitulation when he decided he could not keep battling the Trump people anymore. And he said, I give up. I won't talk about how the big lie is bullshit anymore. And it was pathetic. Listen to all that was involved. Another extraordinary week in talk radio. Why do I listen? Why do I talk about it? Well, sometimes you just want to keep track of people you know and places you used to work. And in the case of 710KNUS, they are a major part of the right-wing ecosystem that affects our politics, our children. The right complains that the left has a media stranglehold. I don't think so. Fox News, talk radio, they organize their arguments, just like their attack on Dr. Fauci. But mainly it comes down to the big lie. That's the big problem right now because it's leading to a threat of ongoing violence. There are things that just will not be discussed on talk radio or Fox What about QAnon, the large percentage of Republicans who are going for that? Why is that not discussed? Because it makes them look bad. It should make them look bad. A bunch of conspiracy nuts spewing that crap and never really challenged. Have you heard Lauren Boebert asked on Denver Trump Radio anything about QAnon? No. I wrote about Lauren Boebert coming in second to Marjorie Taylor Greene. It was my Colorado Sun column, and I tried to push back there. I pushed back on talk radio until I got replaced for criticizing Donald Trump, replaced by Randy Corcoran. Randy Corcoran first came over to KNUS at my invitation to cover for me when my son Sam had his bar mitzvah. That had to be five years ago because he's now 18, graduating high school. Anyway, Randy Corcoran... He's got ambitions. He's a Republican committee man. He's been a Republican delegate for Donald Trump after first 
leading the charge for Ted Cruz. But he is all Trump now, and he's one of the biggest perpetrators of the big lie. He represents people who are getting sued by Dominion and Eric Coomer. Actually, it's the Eric Coomer lawsuit that he's involved in. Yet it was Corcoran who, week after week, talks about the election being stolen and disparages Eric Coomer and also puts on all the people who support the big lie. And that's what made talk radio interesting for a bit because Corcoran brought Joe Altman, Joel Altman, who's at the heart of the Coomer lawsuit, Altman, who had a conservative daily podcast, appeared about 10 days after the election with Corcoran, after appearing a week after the election at his Rappo County Tea Party. And then he was on Boyles a couple times, and Boyles let him spew the nonsense about the big lie about Eric Coomer and Dominion, which has fed Donald Trump's big lie, which fed the January 6th insurrection. It's interesting to go back to Corcoran's show on January 2. He expressed a willingness, a desire to go for the January 6th events as summoned by Donald Trump, but his mom was sick, and yet he talked about it. He explained how January 6th was going to be a big date for his organization, the people who support Stop This Deal and perpetrate the big lie. Listen to what he said on January 2, 2021. I am Randy Corcoran, and still you are pumped up purveyor of principled, passionate patriotism. And I got to tell you, I've never been more fired up than I am right now. And it doesn't matter to me. It matters, but it doesn't matter to my attitude. It doesn't matter to my determination. It doesn't matter to my intentions on moving forward into 2021. Who is going to be inaugurated on January 20th? 2021 as president of the United States. Either way, there are going to be intense and powerful forces at work and intense and powerful motivations to get after it, to continue to organize, to take advantage of this movement that was spawned by President Donald J. Trump that uh, so far has been working within the Republican Party, hear an awful lot of conversation about it moving out of the Republican Party. Of course, naturally that happens after I get elected to the swamp as a Republican National Committee man. But either way, whatever direction things go, the fight for liberty will continue. I mean, can you imagine if Donald Trump is in fact inaugurated on January 20th? And we all know that the Odds of that have been and remain slim. January 6th is the next target date. January 6th is the target date, and boy, was it. He talked further about all the people he knew who, was go who were going to D.C. for Insurrection Day. Pins and needles between now and Wednesday. Don't forget, if you're headed to D.C., there may not be hotel rooms. It may be hard to get food and other things. You can go to stopthesteel.us, stopthesteel.us. And there's another website. I forgot to look for it, but I'll bring it to you uh, in just a couple of minutes where you can actually coordinate with other folks. People are driving out there. They're caravanning out there. They're busing out there with rented buses and RVs. And um, 
Ollie Armstrong is suggesting that you bring sleeping stuff because unless you go way outside of D.C., the mayor is shutting down the hotels and putting limits on anybody's ability to do business just coincidentally through this next week. Hmm. I wonder what that could be related to. And then he had special guests, people he met through social media, put them on to tout the benefits of going to Washington for the big day, January 6th. When I went to the top of the hour, I said, you know, uh, what I'm dealing with with my mom. And, and I thought about that as soon as we went to break. And I thought, you know, it's what my mom is dealing with. And I'm trying to have her back and, you know, just be a support to her as we move forward. And and uh, our next guest, Tracy, put something up on Facebook that just grabbed my heart. And she agreed to come on and talk about it. Tracy, good morning. Good morning, Randy. Thank you for calling in. And um, I'll be interested to talk to you about the after the show about uh, what's been going on for the past few minutes. But uh, um, first, real qu- question. I know you went to Washington, D.C. for the big rally a few weeks ago. Are you going back on Wednesday? I am. I go on okay. Tuesday and I'll return on Thursday. Good for you. Are you going with Sherry? I, I'm not positive Sherry's going, okay. but we do have a large contingent from Colorado. God, I am so glad to hear that. And for folks who can't go, noon to four is the Stop the Steel rally at the Capitol on Wednesday here in Colorado. So, um, yeah, keep me posted. I know you'll text me and let me know how things are going on. Really look forward to that. But uh, So you know who Randy Corcoran is. He's a powerful person in Colorado's Republican Party. And he just became the powerful person at 710 KNUS because while I was there for over five and a half years, the guy who really runs it is Peter Boyles. Brian Taylor may get the check for being general manager, but oh my God, the way Peter Boyles talks about Brian Taylor, the things he's said, the way he's disparaged his physique and his mentality and his inability to understand radio the way he does— Boyles brags about stocking every show. Nobody gets on air without Boyles' permission, and they get yanked if Boyles doesn't like it, or that used to be the way it went. But Peter Boyles, as Randy Corcoran makes clear, is getting older. Here's what happened. I heard it when Boyles promoted that he was going on Stephen Tubbs' show. You will recall from last week, Stephen Tubbs, Stricken with COVID, off the air now, he he chose not to get a vaccination, which pleased Randy Corcoran, who definitely is against vaccinations of any kind. It's part of that whole anti-government thing. So you got those two anti-vaxxers and Corcoran, the leader of the anti-maskers. But as I told you, Corcoran's the big leader of the big lie. And when Peter Boyle's perceived that Salem was ripe for getting sued and that he and Corcoran putting Oltman on made them in the line of fire. Well, Boyle said, boys, I don't believe the big lie. And he took on Corcoran and he took on his audience because it's a large percentage of Republicans who believe this bullcrap and a much larger percentage of the kind of Republicans who listened to Peter Boyles, and they were fighting him tooth and nail. And finally, Peter Boyles realized, my job is at jeopardy. My audience hates me. 
we can't keep going like this. So he made a plan, a stupid plan, a weak plan to capitulate and to announce it and to announce it to the leader of the big lie, Randy Corcoran. So he wanted to do it on his own show, Boyles, but Corcoran's savvy. He said, no, you come to me. Five o'clock, and I tuned in this week. I couldn't believe it. The capitulation of Peter Boyles to this guy who talks at the outset about how he predicted it. He was going to be the boss, not Boyles anymore. And he tells a story about the Western Conservative Summit. I went there so many times. This week, it's sad. Frank Gaffney, that's interesting. He's being marketed as the top headline individual when he's an okay guest on radio. He has his own podcast. I liked him because he was always nice to me, and we simultaneously opposed the Iran nuke deal. In fact, one year at the Western Conservative Summit, I got the main stage and told people to join me for a rally against the Iran nuke deal the next day at the Capitol. And who was there? Randy Corcoran. He was with me on that. And uh, Dan Kaplis came and Steve Kelly. Of course, Boyles wouldn't come. He doesn't like Israel. He just soon Iran do whatever. But Gaffney walked over. Frank Gaffney, the headliner this year, he walked over. He said, Craig, I heard about this. I said, come on up, Frank. And he said a few words. Anyway, I bring up the Western Conservative Summit because it's the backdrop of this story. Because at KNUS, we were situated at the Hyatt Regency. And I understand this setup with uh, then KLZ, where Corbin worked in a back room. Here, let Corcoran tell this story about how he told Brian Taylor how he was going to be replacing Peter Boyles, Randy Corcoran, that is. When I, in my first year doing talk radio at the other station, I was about six months in, and the Western Conservative Summit was going on. Of course, 710 is always a huge sponsor of the summit. And so you guys had your big tent, and you're doing your morning show out in the middle main foyer of the hotel there, foyer of the hotel, and everything's going on. I'm tucked away in this back, dark room, no people walking <laughs> by, have my little table, and I'm just doing my quiet little show, trying to you know figure out how to try and make a show work. And, uh, and this guy comes walking over, this looming figure, and he stands at kind of a distance, and he's got glasses and a lot of face hair, good-looking, you know, solid-looking dude. And I get to a break, and he tells me that he's Brian Taylor and the general manager of 710 KNUS. And I made some smart-ass crack to him. It wasn't disrespectful, but just joking around, I said, yep, you know, uh, boils can't last forever. I think you were 72 then. <laughs> <laughs> and brother, that was seven years ago, and you're still going strong as hell. And uh, and Brian chuckled that day, and he and I have been friends ever since I got here. And, and the real point of the story is I owe that to you. So this is the introduction, and Boyles is next on the radio. And afternoon, Peter wanders a lot, but it is revealing. Corporate calling Pete Boyles the godfather. Well, he was until he capitulated to you. Corcoran, here's how the capitulation starts, with Peter saying, I love radio. And he realizes he can't keep his gig if he's going to keep fighting the big lie. But the really 
sad thing is that Boyles dresses it up like he's a friend of the cops. He said he had this revelation the day before. He did a motorcycle ride up to Lookout Mountain. And there at Camp George West with all his motorcycle riding cop buddies, he realized there were bigger issues and that he should just give in on the big lie. The amazing thing about Peter Boyles and his credibility is this bullcrap that he's a big supporter of the police because I was there when the police sued him. The police did not like Peter Boyles when he defamed them consistently back in the day. He got sued in the memorable case of Brian Gordon versus Peter Boyles, Brian Gordon and Betty Gordon. And Brian Gordon's mother got mixed up in this, our media Gordon, division chief our media Gordon, who is one of the finest cops I worked with during my 16 years in law enforcement. She was a proud African-American woman and Brian Gordon, proud African-American officer. Peter Boyles comes on the air and accuses Brian Gordon of stabbing Ron Thomas, who's, who's not just on the force still, he's a division chief. Listen to the way the Colorado Supreme Court described the incident. It really is something in revealing about Peter Boyles, who now claims to be friends of the Denver police. Yeah, certain Denver police are probably his friends, but I know the black police officers sued his ass. Here's how the Colorado Supreme Court decided it in a case that eventually the radio station had to pay a bundle for the lies of Peter Boyles. This was from a 2000 case. Gordon B. Boyles in the Colorado Supreme Court. Let me give you this citation, being the good lawyer that I am. 9 Pacific 3rd, 1106. An opinion by Justice Bender, who described the facts as follows. During the late night and early morning hours of January 31 and February 1, 1997, several people engaged in multiple altercations at Pierre's Supper Club in Denver. At least six off-duty Denver police officers were present at the club over the course of the night. During one of the fights, someone stabbed Denver police officer Ron Thomas, who was then taken to Denver Health Medical Center for treatment of a laceration on his stomach. In mid-April 1997, Boyles broadcast several reports on his radio talk show about the incident at the nightclub and the stabbing, claiming that Officer Brian Gordon stabbed Thomas in a fight over a woman. Boyles stated that the Denver Police Department covered up the incident because Gordon is the son of a high-ranking police official. Boyles also asserted that Gordon had been charged with domestic violence in the past. During his broadcast, Boyles claimed that confidential sources provided him with this information and that his own investigation into the matter confirmed the reports about Gordon. Boyles stated that at least some of his information came from people associated with gangs, that their sources were, quote, no angels, close quote, and that they were, quote, Borderline gang members who are struggling with some drug problems, close quote. Anyway, it goes on from there. And it does not work out for Peter Boyles, who lied, prevaricated, did everything to avoid a lawsuit. 
And he's been worried about a lawsuit ever since because he does tell untruths. He makes up conspiracy theories. And the guy has survived thus far, but he just gave it up to Randy Corcoran, who is a trial lawyer and realized that Boyles was coming to him hat in hand. And how would Corcoran handle it? Well, as the new godfather, he took it all in, but he kept peppering Boyles with questions to see if the capitulation was complete. Let's get back to Boyles and why he says he made the decision to capitulate. So here's me and you and me and a bunch of other people, and they were bouncing rocks off each other's heads. And I'm watching what's happening with the Democrats and the progressives and what's happening to cops. And what, and I thought, and I'm standing in front of the statue of this um, this memorial. You can go to the website and see the guy's picture. I've never I've never been there before. I didn't even know it was a, that it existed, but it won't be the last time we go. And, I, and this little, little lightning bolt says, what are you doing? Um, you know, I had the whole thing with Christy and Priscilla and these other young women are running for office and, I know your heart and, you know, and all the people that you and I know. And I said, I'm going into the radio station tomorrow morning. And we have much bigger problems and a bigger fight ahead of us than the outcome of the 2020 election. And that's when I texted you. I lent you, sent you a lengthy text this morning. You said, I can't do it, but you, can you make it at five? And I said, I was going to I was going to ride over. <laughs> it looks like rain. And, I, you know, and so Corcoran takes the surrender, but he still keeps humiliating the guy who surrendered Peter Boyles. And he says, what exactly does that mean? You're capitulating. But what's going to happen when the subject comes up? He won't let it go. And Peter Boyles is at a loss. Now, Corcoran is right. He's going to keep talking about it. He's going to take that fraudulent audit, the fraud it, in Arizona, and he's going to talk about it. And people on KNUS are going to want to hear about it. And Boyles won't talk about it. How's that going to work out? And people, as you know, last time that we were in studio together, well, I did stop in to drop off that equipment and, and yeah. uh, get a quick hug from Katie Hopkins. But um, oh, but the last time we were together really did get tense. I mean, you were in the chair I'm in right now, leaning forward, and and uh, yeah. we we it it escalated quickly, and the, and the show ended okay. But yeah. but and when we walked through the gun show together, and uh, you know we've had some meals, it, it's always calm, but it's always been kind of floating under the surface here. Yeah. And just real quick, uh, listener wrote in, and we've now confirmed that there's a tornado. Uh, let's see, north of Frederick, Colorado. So listeners up there, keep me. I'm glad you're not riding. Um, So, and, you know, we all say, well, you know, our friendship is solid. and But we've seen families torn apart over these election issues. People who can't go to dinners and and, and don't or aren't talking to a, a parent or a child or a sibling or whatever. And uh, and and it's going to get worse before it gets better as far as the escalating tensions in the country. So what do you what do you think we should do? I mean, should we should we talk about what what the disputes are or or how to move past them? I, I don't know. You know, you didn't I, you and I didn't script this in any way. So what, what did you have in mind? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not even sure. I mean, it's so new to me because I have 
I never back away from anything, and I've never. It's always been to my detriment, by the way. But well, if you were watching the John Wayne movie, you probably didn't hear Joel Gilbert, who was on with us in the last hour for a chunk, and um, and it, you know, he was talking a little bit about election and some of the investigations that are going on, and so it naturally led to talking about his appearances with you and um, mm-hmm. how when election fraud came up, that you know the kind of the tension came up and got steered away from that. And he made the comment that, uh, you know, Peter needs to stop being intimidated or whatever, or, you know, we need people who won't be intimidated. And I told him, I, I said, listen, this is a guy who's looked at this for himself and come to a different conclusion and thinks it's not only damaging to the party and the country, but to t- the, po- the future of talk radio. That's why he's standing up. He's not scared of it. Um, and and now we're trying to find a solution rather than we're not going to agree, obviously, and, and things are going to have to play out. But what's the solution I, for me? If it seems like if, if, when you're doing your show, if you do bring it up and people want to come in, call in and, and talk about their their view or take you on factually or whatever, that that's kind of an invitation to do that when you bring it up. <laughs> But that, but then you've gotten resistant to it, and I—is it something you just don't want to talk about anymore? Or because how do we avoid it? These, these, uh, all these big investigations are going on around the country. So Boyles does his hubba bubba. He hasn't thought this through. He's surrendering, and he doesn't even understand the terms of his surrender. And he's there with hat in hand to Corcoran, who's not going to just let it go. Boyle says it's a stupid fight. It is, because the people who propound these conspiracy theories, they've got nothing except bullshit conjecture and Donald Trump fanning the flames. We're in an environment now where we're approaching 50% in the country that have questions about the 2020 election, 70% in the Republican Party. Yeah, well, so what do, you do? what do you do with that? I can't. I, I, it's, a, it's a stupid fight. History will be our judge. Uh, as it was with WMDs, as it was with, you know, finally a grand juror comes out because of Charlie Brennan's great work. It said, we wanted to indict uh, John and Patsy for that little girl. We wanted to indict them and for whatever reasons for another day. That never happened. Um, I don't know. I know that we have we have a year and a half till the next election. And I don't want to get Priscilla or anybody involved in anything that can be detrimental. People can believe what they want to believe. And I think the wisest thing that I could do, and I'm not telling you to do it or anybody else to do it, the wisest thing I could do is put whatever weight we have behind changing the course of um, Colorado and Denver, of who's in charge. And you know, battling over what I think is absolute insanity ends up, you know, if you if you read literature, you know that Gulliver's Travels that everybody, it was Jonathan Swift wrote it. It was a parody on religion, on which end of the egg do you open? And that was what that fight that Gulliver uh, gets involved in is. And it was a religious battle between was Protestants and Catholics in England. And which end of the egg do you open? Which, who is right? The Protestants, are they right? Or the Catholics are right? And they were ripping each other's throats out to what end? I've never understood that, but they do it. They do it. And they do it. Continue to do it. I don't want to do this anymore. Like if we, I mean, I've run my race. I'm an old guy, you know, um, 
Randy, it's, it's not going to solve anything. You know, if somebody well, wants to believe you open the egg on that end, that's fine. I'm, I'm done, done having the argument. There it is. Boyle says he's done having the argument. Next, they go back to Stephen Tubbs. This is really fascinating how this all comes down. Tubbs, who has to worry about losing his job, he used to come on and say, I'm pro-choice. He can't say that anymore. There are certain rules over there. Anyway, Tubbs is trying to remain relevant while confined with COVID because he didn't get vaccinated. And here are Corcoran and Boyles disclosing his medical condition and kind of making fun of him while he's hurting. And we just got an update from that uh, that relentless tornado chaser, Stefan Tubbs. He just texted in and said that the tornado is near Platteville now. It's on the ground and slow moving, so he must be watching it at home. Uh, or, really... he's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or he's there. Yeah. Or he's there. Have you talked to him lately? I don't think he's there. This morning just... we're texting. Yeah. Yeah, he still hey, sounds a little gravelly. But... He's, he's, the boy's got a struggle ahead. He yeah, really yeah. does. All right, brother, we're going to take our pause. We will pick it up on the other side. The uh, The peace table is underway. Peace pipe is getting refilled. We'll pass it around and we'll continue the conversation. What do we do with uh, really one of the primary issues of the day for Republicans as we move forward into 2022 and especially 2024? Stay with us here on the Stephen Tubb Show. We'll check in with Roger uh, Richard Robertson in 710 KNUS News. It starts to dawn on Boyles that he has waved the white flag, that he has capitulated. So, of course, what can he do? Lie about that. Claim that he's no quitter. He's not a sissy, but he just demonstrated that. And once again, he comes up with his justification. He wants to help the hard right win all they can in Colorado. Good luck with that. At least, though, Boyles is stating his agenda, which is, as clearly stated, a political agenda on media. I've never heard anything quite like that. You don't even hear that out of Sean Hannity. Maybe Hannity. But really, here was the past leader of KNUS saying, our mission here is to help the hard right. As far as protecting what you love, talk radio, and still allowing people to speak and explore, you know, what do we do? I don't have an answer for that. I just have an answer for, or at least a thought for myself. And this is by no means a white flag or hands up, I quit. It's just the right thing to do. And the right thing to do is to whatever strength or weight or might our radio station has to use it to do what I consider the right thing. The other issue will be to history. Um, There will be an answer to all of these issues, and it will come. And much like Gulliver's Travels, much like religious fights, it won't end. And frankly, to me, it's like, what's the purpose? At what end do we do this? And again, Corcoran won't accept the concession without digging it in a little deeper. But here's the beauty of talk radio callers. You can't control them. Gosh, Peter Boyles has told me so many times how much he hates callers because they derail his show. Mainly he has his guests. The guy doesn't know how to have a conversation. I could parry with callers. All he does is try to bounce his shit off them and get a bunch of ditto heads. 
This was no ditto head who called. Corporan even gave Boyles the choice. Do you really want callers? And then they put on Roger from Park County, and he humiliates Peter Boyles and demonstrates how this capitulation is going to work out. Do you want to do calls? Sure. It's, it's on you. All right. Roger in Park County, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. Um, listen, I'm running for sheriff up here in Park County. I'd be happy to be on your show, Peter, to debate anything I'm about to say. But I've been listening to you for 10 years. You're a traitor on every level. Yeah, no, we're not, we're not going to have that, Roger. Sorry, not, not today. Leave, nah. leave him. Leave him. Let him go. Let him go. Nah. Okay. You're, no, you're the, the godfather. Point. Go ahead. There ain't, there ain't a government lie that you don't love. Oklahoma City, 9-11. Let me, let me check you, Roger. Do you believe there were WMDs in Iraq? Well, do you? There's not any evidence except for the ones we sold Saddam or no, gave them. Your answer, right. your answer, you're now, trying to cop this. The answer this, is, this no, is, they weren't there. This isn't the fight I want to have. Nah, no, I'm going to drop them. No, let me have it. No, come on. I'm, listen to me. I don't want to do this because this is what I'm trying to avoid. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me one more time. This is why I'm on Randy's show. I said what I said. Look, pal, you can take what you believe and you can have a great time with it. And I'm not putting you on my show because you're running for office. I don't care. Look, this stuff isn't any fun, Peter. It's a real pain to watch America go down the drain with election fraud. And all oh, the fine. other stuff. Fine. 9-11, Dick Cheney being involved. Well, what, what, tell real, tell me what happened. It's very painful well, to watch what, these things. What, no, what I'm going to I'm gonna jump, guys. I'm going to jump. No, Randy, Roger, I'm going to let you go. exactly the reason. And Listen, let's Randy. get one more call in here, though, Peter. So there you have it. A historic week in Denver Talk Radio, Denver Trump Radio. When I say Denver Trump Radio, I'm talking about those people on any station who are just committed to Trump and the Trump crowd. And they'll say anything, do anything, they cater to that crowd. And this is a very good demonstration of that. Peter Boyle says he loves history. Well, dude, you made history this week. You just gave it up to Randy Corcoran. The changing of the guard. What a sad ending for Peter Boyle. So there it is, Peter Boyle's part of American history, part of Colorado history too, part of my history. And why am I a little antagonistic? Because I put things together. And uh, whereas Peter Boyle's has some good to him, there's also the bully, the liar, the hustler, the guy who would put on Pat Buchanan, loved him some Pat Buchanan, Roger Stone without a hard question going his way. John McManus, president of the John Birch Society, who puts on Birchers. Wasn't there a battle to get them out of there because of their anti-Semitism? The Buckley wing against the Birchers? Anyway, that still runs wild within the Republican Party and conservatives. Peter admits that his father was bigoted, and there are those alcohol issues, and I don't know what led Peter Boyles to be I know Obama birther, but most people realize that was a racist line of attack that really did not help this country, help fire up what we've got going on today. And boy, did he get on with Donald Trump because they were birthers together. 
And that border shit, build the wall, all of that, which is a good debate, but not when it's being conducted by bigoted people who want to call out George Soros. We know how that works. It was Peter Boyles revealing himself so much when he called Governor Jared Polis Pontius Polis. Remember how he did that month after month, Pontius Polis? It was sickening, anti-Semitic. Why would you say Pontius Polis? Why not Emperor Polis? Pontius is associated with the crucifixion of Jesus, which led to anti-Semitism as the Jews got blamed by the Catholic Church in which Peter Boyles was raised. And he wants to call our first Jewish governor, Pontius Polis, first gay Jewish governor, who he always said uh, that together. And he wanted us to hate Muslims with him. And I'm afraid I did too often allow that stuff to be said in my presence without speaking without speaking out. And I should have. Remember when he advertised that trip to see the great artifacts of Nazi Germany, the places where Hitler was, and this place, that place? Which side are you on? I have those brochures. I remember those ads. I remember the advocacy for Randy Weaver and uh, the Bundys. And the swastika's analysis. He would always belittle any claim of anti-Semitism. If a swastika was drawn, he'd say, they don't even know how to draw a swastika. It's a fake. It's not real. Yeah, when a guy gets convicted for trying to blow up a synagogue in Pueblo, crickets. When I was on the air and covered the Tree of Life synagogue shooting live the Saturday morning Shabbat show, there were crickets from everybody else on Denver Trump Radio, which is all of AM radio, really. The people who cover for Trump, won't talk about Jenny Thomas, won't talk about January 6th, refused to talk about the Ukrainian shakedown that I wanted to talk about because it led directly to the catastrophe in Ukraine we see right now. Trump in bed with Putin, trying to stir up shit with little Jew Zelensky. And of course, Boyles, before he left, listen to my last several shows. I don't have time for all the Peter Boyles low lights. That guy ripped Zelensky. He did. Ripped Zelensky, rooted for Putin, and everybody's going to celebrate this guy, not me. Not me. But really, as you wind up his career, and we'll keep following it in the media, there's a lawsuit going on, and it's in Denver District Court, and KNUS is being sued. Boyles wrote a column, and he talks on radio that he's Rocky Marciano. Are you kidding me? Rocky was undefeated. Boyles more like Chuck Wepner. He's been beaten. He's been bloodied. Hell, he got fired for workplace violence. I called him after that. He did not call me. He's never called me because Peter Boyles is like that. And... I just think it's important to remember now that uh, the guy the guy said and did a lot of bad things. He caused a lot of unnecessary people to get riled up in the morning, and he did it for money. 
And he did it because he follows his own instincts, which are not good. And he let loose on me. So, yeah, it is personal. Because for a week, and I've listened to the tapes, he engaged in this conspiracy theory with uh, Corpin, Woodland, Kelly Michaels about me wearing a big blue suit or nice blue suit, having it all planned. He had on that Jen Kearns to say, yeah, Stelter would have never just called him on a Saturday. No way could he have been on. You guys figured it out, and Boyles rode with that. But he rode with bigotry, which is the way I will remember Peter Boyles. Here he is talking to Billy Thorpe, um, his producer. And this was, I think, the Tuesday after the Saturday that they ripped away my mic. Remember the circumstances. I said they don't want me on because I'm talking trash against Trump. And then they said, not true. In fact, Craig is not fired. Craig has his show back. We'll put his podcast back up. They not only took my podcast down, then they had Kirk Woodland, who ends up being a neo-Nazi doctor, my last podcast. But when they put it back up, I went to Westward, as I recall. I said, and I put out a statement. I tweeted, they've restored the podcast. I'm good to go with my show. And then Peter Boyles and the powers that be said, no, no, they weren't going to have me back because I was calling them out and I did it regularly and I was getting to the audience. A lot of people, especially that last hour, called me to say, we're on your side. You're right about this Ukrainian shakedown. It's bullshit. Donald Trump is a bad guy. But here, again, unwilling to discuss the Ukrainian shakedown. You could go back to Boyle's archive. He wouldn't talk about it, not with me, not with anybody. They called it a coup, Russia, Russia, Russia. Yeah, there really is a big conspiracy going on. And damn Peter Boyle's, he liked to say he called out the big lie, but he had the sound of Oltman, and he refused to play it. So on the biggest story of his career, he blew it. But he also revealed himself in putting me down. Here he is discussing me with Billy Thorpe right after my termination. And listen to the guy he decides to compare me to, Colin Kaepernick. And tell me if there's any other source for that other than racism. Who's the kind of guy who puts down Colin Kaepernick? Donald Trump, of course. Billy Thorpe, the my ego, my my inner self. We said, you know, that's enough of the Silverman stuff. You know, like now you're stepping on baby chicks. I don't know what's going to happen. Let it go. Well, the the anger and callers doesn't want to see the seem to let it go. I, I'm not angry at all at it. I'm extremely sad about what happened. I'm very disappointed. You can't lie on this business. You just don't. And I don't even want to recap it. I can I can tell you some new. Twists and turns, I, I firmly believe that the head of iHeartMedia will be out. Um, the man who's in charge of KHW and KOA and those stations over there that have had tremendous mistakes made. And whether he's jumping off the building or is pushed off the building, he'll be off the building. And that's going to bring in, and they won't promote internally. That's not their MO. There's, they've done that and. They get, the, the results were terrible. Guys like Pat Connor got the job. Other guys get the job. So the guy's leaving. 
I listened to Danny again yesterday, the first 45 minutes, 40 minutes of Dan Kaplis' shows. No mention of Craig Silverman or the big surprise. At this point, I think Craig has become the Colin Kaepernick of talk radio. He's, he's damaged goods. He's caught lying. And that's really what it is. It isn't about contracts or he, uh, he, he hated Donald Trump or any of these kinds of things that want to be manufactured by people that you know, don't like me. And I'm cool if they're not liking me as part of it. Or, you know, but this is really about this radio station. And this radio station is a 5,000 watt directional, meaning the pattern has a direction. Some of you know you, don't, you can't listen to it after you pull away. And it's also AM. Everything now is FM. Uh, the number one radio station in the city right now is KYGO FM Place Country Music. I decided on uh, in our meeting Saturday, uh, the Saturday meet part of it, but the Sunday meet, we're going to go, we're going to break kayfabe. You know, we're going to totally transparent and just transparency and talk about any of this stuff you want to. And if they're going to, after a while, okay, that's enough. Apparently not. 303-696-1971. So there'll be a change at the top at iHeart. And Dan Kaplis, with the respect that I have for Danny, Danny doesn't want this splashing on him. And they will lose their honor as Craig has lost his. I can make it right. I want Craig Silverman to come back. And, you know, come, man, come make it straight. Come in here, sit down and say, yeah, I did. I lied. Dude, people that get into recovery, and I'm not claiming that, from drugs and alcohol, there's a step called amends, I think, or people in the audience that this is no secret. There's regrets and amends. And when you make your list of regrets, you try to make amends to those regrets, to try and live free. It's a really important part of recovery, is all the things that I did when I was using and drinking and my disease, man, I have just terrible regrets. And I've tried very hard in my life to make amends to family members and to others, people I worked with, things that were said, things that were done, fights, that were punches, stuff like that. And I amended. You try to. But we're all fallible human beings. I mean, it's like, you know, everybody's got feet of clay. Everybody falls on their face. I, I have done it many, 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 many times. And then these guys get together. Stephen Tubbs, Peter Boyles, Stephen Tubbs, who owes his career to Boyles. Boyles hired and fired everybody over there. Anyway, Boyles goes on with Tubbs in the afternoon. I listen to him say that Kirk Woodland is brilliant. I could play other sound where Peter Boyles is praising Kirk Woodland as a great guy. Did those guys ever discuss what happened with Kirk Woodland? The fact that they had a neo-Nazi in their presence? He was the biggest part of Kanye West in terms of jobs and responsibility. But they don't talk about that. And Peter Boyles was a talk show host who really could never have a conversation. He just needed somebody to reaffirm that he was great or giggle with him. He was not good at any kind of confrontation. I came the closest with him, and for many years, I survived that. It was great radio, I think. I like bantering, but there's no bantering left on radio because it's all one-sided Denver Trump radio. It's gotten away from everybody. But listen in the end to what I'll remember about Peter Boyles, him calling me Craig Kaepernick, and he thinks that's funny. I think that's revealing. 
So that's my memory of Peter Boyles. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Is that taken, Kirk? Has somebody used that? You know, I went to bed. I prayed for my, uh, I prayed for my KNUS family. Because of our next guest, I'm part of the family. I come in as an outsider with a lot of baggage. And yesterday, Saturday, I felt my family was being wrongly attacked. And this false narrative that was being put out by a guy who I have known for more than 25 years, a guy that I played catch with his kids when they were little before media league softball games. He batted usually, I don't know, three, four, five. Great softball player. We won the media championship every Tuesday night. I loved my time with our, do I say colleague? I'll say it again what I did and we'll welcome in Peter Boyles. I will be extremely, extremely disappointed in the management of this station. I understand the legalities are none of my business, nor do I have any mental capacity to understand. But if I hear Craig Silverman's voice on 710 KNUS any more ever, I will be extremely disappointed. With that said, I welcome in my colleague, the man that I owe everything to for being here and having the honor and privilege to turn on a microphone at this station, Mr. Peter Boyles. It has been quite a day, my friend. We checked your bags. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my boy. Yours will be, be down on Carousel 18 in about an hour and a half. That's sweet. I, you know, I, I'm, here's what I am so you know. I'm with two of the people I love most in the world. My daughter-in-law, Val, and my grandson, Liam. And we're on, we, he goes to wrestling school two nights a week. We're on our way to wrestling class. So no, We'll keep it quick. And she's, dri- and she, and she's driving. So okay. anyhow, um, this is the first time that... Um, and maybe for our Christmas show, he'll do radio show with his with his granddad. Um, but I this may be coming to an end. Um, uh, I our, our friend across the hall, Dan Kaplis, isn't even isn't even mentioning this on his show, which was extremely bright. I actually sent him a a, a congratulatory text. Um, there is a lot of stuff floating around, a lot, a lot of rumors. And, and I don't know what's true, what's not true. I, I think maybe that the, this began on Saturday morning at 10:30, and I dubbed, um, I sent Dan a text uh, earlier today, and I said, Dan, are you going to join Craig's Liars Lounge, a takeoff on uh, <laughs> Craig's Lawyers Lounge? And um, I don't know. I mean, I think we've all learned something. I think that Dan, it, the light may have gone on with Danny, uh, and I'm not speaking anything he said to me that he realizes that this is a false narrative. And Dan's, a, Dan's an honorable man. Dan, and the radio station over there, the management over there, I don't know what they're thinking. And you have a better insight to them than I do. Um, I know he's going to, Craig's going to appear on CNN tonight, but that's of no shock. Um, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I know tomorrow morning I was talking to Julie Hayden and talking to Billy Sorp. And I was saying, you know, this may be done and we do the radio show like we normally would. And, both um, Billy, who's the smartest young producer, and your guy's brilliant. Kirk's been brilliant. And and Julie said, you know, that notion of family, which I love what you said, we, ha- we have to let the other members speak. And so maybe, you know, not maybe, but when I sit down with Billy tomorrow morning and we talk and say, okay, let's, let's let everybody, you know, vent it out, and uh, there may be an update between now and then. But at this point, um, he may have become Craig Kaepernick. 
you know, he may have become the, Oh, yeah, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. It was a skip. But, I mean, my point is that he may be this guy that protests a lot, but nobody in the NFL wants him to play on the team. Um, you, you know, and I still, the offer is there. He has my cell phone. Oh, and as for Stephen Tubbs, you know what? I was his lawyer on some matters, so I've always felt restricted in what I can say. But, Stephen, I don't think you are a good talk show host. I think you are unfair to me. When that happened, you never you never discussed in any way the Kirk Woodland situation, yet he was your buddy and executive producer. You defended him when it all came out. And now you're being accused of white power this, white power that, and part of it is Kirk Wendland. Part of it is that when I'm called Craig Kaepernick, you laugh along. That's okay. We had some good times together. But that was then, and now you were in bed with some people who were really not doing any favors for America, including Donald Trump. I hope you enjoyed this segment of Peter Boyle's Remembered. You heard a lot of my memories. And I think I treated him nicer the day after his last show than the day after my last show. Hey, if you like this show, please shout it out on your Purple Apple podcast app. It would be so wonderful if you would scroll down, spot that place to leave a five-star review and your personal review. Kind words appreciated. Thanks so much. Tell your friends. Hey, maybe you know my voice and me from the first half of my career when I was Denver prosecutor. Or maybe you know me from my time on the radio and now on my podcast. But my real job for several decades now has been to fight in the civil arena for victims of crimes. I've been fighting for Colorado crime victims for the last four decades. If your life has been damaged through the misconduct of others, there's a great new Colorado law, and it's for you. It allows victims as far back as January 1, 1960 to hold accountable the perpetrators and the organizations that allowed it to happen. If you were sexually assaulted, now is the time to come forward. Let's expose the truth. Let's get you some justice. Let me be your voice for a confidential consultation. Call me anytime you are ready at 303-861-2800. Ask for Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Hey, I hope you enjoyed episode 90. Thank you, Michael Bailey, for sponsoring our show. Thank you, Katie Wenge. You are a superstar who is going to go far. Dave Gunders, our troubadour, the rebound. It's in my top 10 favorites. I shared my memories of Peter Boyles, got a lot off my chest. And now let's move on to a great week. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. Subscribe. And uh, leave a great review if you'd be so kind. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. 
This has been The Craig Silverman Show. <laughs>